This is Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. I connect with experts and local personalities for some real talk about keeping our minds and bodies healthy physical, mental, spiritual health, to safety. Because you know what, feeling safe and living in a safe home in society, that's all part of wellness. Just a content warning for today, we'll be talking about domestic violence. Now, there have been a number of news stories that we've been paying attention to, whether it's the Taliban takeover in Afghanistan and what that means for Afghan women, the restrictive abortion law in Texas, the Gabby Petito story has been all over the media. That's the woman who went missing and uh, whose remains were recently found in Wyoming. And then there are the number of women of color and indigenous women that go missing or are killed because of domestic violence. You know, all the people we don't tend to hear about in the mainstream media. So with everything going on in the news, it just felt timely to talk to an expert about women's rights and violence against women. And I have an expert on the line. Cheryl Thomas is the executive director of Global Rights for Women, and she has spent nearly 30 years working to pass laws protecting women around the globe from violence and oppression. Cheryl, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor. Well, if you could just start, Cheryl, um, you know, you've done some really great work, again, over, what, three decades or so. Um, right. Yeah, but right now, Executive Director of Global Rights for Women. So I guess just to start, could you tell me about Global Rights for Women? Yeah, thank you. Yes, Global Rights for Women was founded in 2014, and this is our mission to end this, what the United Nations calls a pandemic. Uh, long before the COVID pandemic, we knew that Violence Against Women and Girls is a pandemic globally, just of, of epic proportions and one of the greatest human rights violations of our time. So we wanted to focus on legal and systemic reform that would really address violence against women and girls as a human rights violation. Well, Cheryl, um, you know, I was reading this statistic, you know, across their lifetime, one in three women around mm-hmm. 736 million are subjected to physical or sexual violence by an intimate partner or sexual violence from a non-partner. And that's mm-hmm. a number that it's it's really hasn't changed over the past 10 years. And and I, I mean, I'm shocked to read that number. And I know that domestic violence is an issue. Right. And another statistic that has recently come out from the United Nations that is equally as breathtaking and more so is 137 women die every day globally at the hands of family members, mostly male partners. So that is 50,000 women a year. And if if we just stop and think about that statistic alone, and we know that that's not comprehensive. That's likely the tip of the iceberg because of what we know about women being able to report violence, being um, received in a way that supports their equality and safety. So most women don't report violence. When they, when they do, our systems have really largely, in most parts of the world, failed them in intervening in really desperate situations where they know they're um, going to be in serious, serious danger and harm. I'm talking with Cheryl Thomas, the executive director of Global Rights for Women. Again, this organization, you know, not just working in the U.S., but globally and and looking at domestic violence and violence against women as a global issue. Um, because, you know, we tend to talk about, uh, you know, partner violence and uh, women's rights 
we live in the U.S., so we generally talk mm-hmm. about U.S. Um, what part of the world would you say that you're most concerned about right now? I'm concerned about every part of the world, yeah. to tell you the truth. Jill, I'm, I'm really just so um, devastated about what's happening in Afghanistan. There's 20 million women there whose human rights to live you know, free from violence, certainly, or even work or go to school, have pretty much been eliminated. And I don't disconnect that with the violence that happens to women in more developed countries. I don't disconnect it with what happened to Gabby Petito. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, this, all these forms of violence and inequality and oppression are connected. And that is our challenge as a global community. Minnesota is very much a part of the global community, to take every single one of those 137 women who die every day at the hands of a intimate partner or family member and do the kind of media reporting that Gabby Petito is getting, death is getting. I am actually grateful to see that media coverage around this young woman's death. Uh, This is the kind of media coverage we need for every single woman and girl's death due to gender-based violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, because it's hard to ignore the fact that Black and Indigenous women do not get the kind right. of same coverage. And um, and I wondered, like, why is that? I feel like the answer is right. pretty obvious to me. But but why is that? And, and how can that be changed? Yeah, I think that um, you're absolutely right. And that we have a situation where um, we've got institutional racism and institutional misogyny just creating a really dangerous, devastating world for marginalized women and women of color um, our own state, the the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Task Force report that came out last year documents exactly what you said, Jill, and that is that, you know, Native women are 1% of the population of women in Minnesota, but I would say 8% of uh, femicides are Native women. And that's just disproportionate to the level of population they represent. So that is a real issue. Women of color, marginalized women, um, immigrant women are disproportionately affected by violence. They suffer multiple oppressions, if you know what I mean. They, um, their oppression is, is particularly dangerous as they navigate the world this way. They can't call uh, the police, certainly, as we, uh, we've seen so much danger when that happens. And so when you're in your home, which we know is the most dangerous place for women and girls globally, from the private sphere in general, but certainly the home is the most dangerous place for women and girls because of the uh, oppression they, they suffer from their male family members and partners, but then not to be able to call the police because they fear for the safety of their male partners and family members. So that's a situation that is um, a a huge barrier towards safety, equality for women of color and all, and, and accountability for violent abusers. I'm talking with Cheryl Thomas, the executive director of Global Rights for Women. You know, Cheryl, how do we reframe this conversation so that it includes the men, you know, men committing mm-hmm. violence against women? You know, should we be saying 
preventing male violence instead of preventing violence against women. I mean, I know when I was growing up, it was like, here's how you stay safe. Here's how you right. can be prevented, um, how you can prevent yourself from being raped. Here's how you can prevent yourself from being abused. But the conversation, I, I at least from my point of view, was like, here's how we teach, you know, young boys and men to not abuse. You know, so is that mm-hmm, kind of part mm-hmm. of the conversation now? I think it needs to be more and more because it just reflects the truth and reality. And we just really need to be able to name those truths is that it's male violence that is the most common and devastating form of violence against women and girls. And and I do appreciate when people um, call that out, male violence against women and girls. This is this is the uh, primary cause of harm and homicide like we we see in, in the Gabby Petito video that was I would appreciate it Jill that body camera I think the body camera on the police officer in that video really gives the public an understanding about the dynamics of male violence against women and domestic violence in particular that is so rooted in power and control and maintaining that power and control. And you could just actually see those behaviors that we have, who've worked in this field for many years are so familiar with. We didn't see the violence itself, but we saw uh, Gabby, she's tearful, she's in despair, she's, uh, then she starts blaming herself. Mm-hmm. And that is so typical of a woman who is experiencing coercive controlling behavior from her male partner. It is an indicator of when we are going to see more serious harm or death or murder. We see him, the man in the video, very much in control, shifting the focus to her and what she did wrong and her behavior and why he had to do this or that because of her behavior. That's very, very typical in domestic violence cases. So I really appreciated that body camera. I think those body cameras can be transformational for our public understanding about violence and abuse in the way that they were that camera video, that graphic camera video we saw in the George Floyd murder. Mm-hmm. I think that those images are just very powerful in, in increasing understanding about these kinds of oppressive, violent acts. And I, I'm, like I say, I, I hope that can happen more. I certainly can't have women wearing body cameras in their homes when they're being assaulted by their uh, family members and intimate partners. But how transformative it would be began to see more images of what women are suffering at the hands of violent abusers. How transformative that could be. So I, like I say, I'm grateful for that video footage in increasing the understanding of what women are facing in alarming numbers all over the world. I'm talking with Cheryl Thomas, the executive director of Global Rights for Women. Well, Cheryl, we need to wrap up our conversation, but I do. This is how I want to end here. 
you know, if we suspect someone is the victim of yeah. domestic violence or if anyone listening right now yeah. is uh, mm-hmm. the victim of domestic violence, I mean, th- there's the option to call the police. Not everyone has a great experience with calling right. the police. Right. Um, not everybody can find the help that they're needing there. Um, but what are some other options? What are some other resources? Well, the first thing that we always do before we take any step, honestly, at systemic change, at mm-hmm. reach, at uh, serving victims, survivors of violence, is if you can safely, safely for her, safely for yourself, reach out to her. Be an ally. See what she tells you are her needs. What would be helpful to her? That, I think, is if, if you can do it safely, that kind of support and affirmation and standing in solidarity with her can be very powerful. I think in a, an emergency situation, certainly, if, if there's a uh, you know gun in, in, that, in the home, which is a hugely devastating reality, we know that that's another indicator of when a woman will be killed by her intimate partner. There may, you may have to call the police. Um, that's why we need to make sure that we are working with police to reform their practices so that when they respond, they're doing so in a way that prioritizes the safety of the victim and and ensures that everybody's human rights in that situation are protected. Cheryl Thomas, my guest for Wellness Wednesday this week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jill. Thanks for listening to Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Our producer is Anna Weggle, and our digital producer is Jay Gabler. Our theme music is a portion of the song FB1 Number 2 by Christian Bjorklund under the non-commercial Sharealike 3.0 international license. Head to thecurrent.org for more wellness content and great music.